0: everybody. And welcome to That's Life, the show where we wish we were trend- trending on Twitter, but we would have to lose our job to a relatively unknown member of the Tea Party for that to happen. Sorry, that was a little Eric Cantor joke. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m. as I hope to bring you a little bit of entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties here at the studio, but we are trying to work through it. Are we, Avrami, we're all right? We are all right, says Avrami, coming to you from the home of the Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. It is raining again, yet another Thursday here in New York where it is raining. And if you notice what I just tweeted out, there was a very... Larger than life man walking past me, um, as I was coming out of the subway who was wearing what would have to have been a very large pair of black tight leather pants in the rain. And I wondered whether or not he had checked, uh, the weather channel before he got up this morning. Clearly he did not. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you are a new listener to the show, thanks as, oh, if, sorry, if you're a returning listener to the show, thanks for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Daniela Rudolph did. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. Shoot me an email, Miriam at Siegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. Not being rude, just being honest. I will make sure to get back to you afterwards. Please also follow us on Twitter, NachumSiegelNet. That's all one word. And Miriam L. Wallach, all one word as well. By the way, shout out to everyone who has been posting and commenting on the app. Everything about the app is crazy and exciting. And Nachum will have a number of announcements to make about the app uh, beginning the beginning next week actually I think probably he'll he'll let you know give you a little bit of taste of things tomorrow but definitely stay tuned about that um we have is you're getting okay we're gonna we're gonna do this first even though I I do have somebody on hold but we also have somebody at the door there's a lot going on here at the studio right now first of all it's crowded nest awareness day in the national holiday category um, I'm not sure what that means, but as a family of eight Kaninahara, sometimes it does feel like a crowded nest. It's also Loving Day. It's National Jerky Day, folks, and by that I mean beef jerky. There seems to be somewhere in Manhattan, I imagine it's somewhere um, either near Times Square or what have you, there is a huge sculpture made out of beef jerky that somebody just posted a picture of on Facebook. I have to be honest with you. Um, that's schnasty. And it's not that I'm anti-beef jerky. That it's, A, it's an enormous waste of food. It's just... Sorry, the mom and me, uh, the whole nine yards. It's an enormous waste of food. But dude, it's also gross for God's sakes. What are you doing building that in Manhattan? I don't know. And it's gonna rain. I don't wanna be the guy who has to clean that up. It's also National Peanut Butter Cookie Day. I'm not celebrating it, though I really, really wish I was. It's Career Nurse Assistance Day. It's Superman Day. And frankly, I feel like I could use a little cape at this moment, and it's World Day Against Child Labor. We definitely want to get to our first guest. And by the way, you definitely be, should be against child labor every single day, but that's just another story. Our first guest is on, is on hold. Fantastic. Our first guest, Rabbi Ruving Tarrigan, is a Wexner fellow and a musmach of the Israel Rabbinate. He completed his BA in Science and Philosophy at Yeshiva University, he has an MA in Jewish History and Education from Toro College. He is the Dean of the Overseas Students at Yeshiva HaKotel. His name is very familiar to many of our listeners. He's the Rosh Beit Midrash at Camp Moshevan, lives with his wife Shani, and there's six children in a lone Shvut, Gush Etzion, Israel. And he joins us on the phone right now from Israel because there is a major Yomi Yun coming up in the five towns that Rabbi Taragin is leading. Good morning, Rabbi. How are you? Baruch Hashem. How are you?
1: Thank God. Sounds like we both have the same kind of nest at home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it's um, lively. How's that?
1: Baruch Hashem. <laughs> That's exactly the way it should be. We should enjoy our children. Yes. And kein yir bukein ahara.
0: Amen. Somebody actually recently referred to my son as Lebedek, and while I'm sure that that was uh, um, dripping with sarcasm, I took it as a compliment. Anyway, let's get to the Yomiyun, Yom, which is taking place on June 29th at the Young Israel of Woodmere, uh, that's the corner of Long Acre and Peninsula in Woodmere. It is called the Five Towns Community Collaborative Conference, and it was described to me as being unprecedented. What does that mean?
1: First of all, just so I can clarify the full scope of it, there are two community events taking place that day. One, as you mentioned, is in the Young Israel of Woodmere, the other one is in B'nai Yeshurin in Tinek. Oh, great. And it's very much a parallel program um, with similar goals. I think what's unprecedented about it is. There are over 30 organizations in each of these Yimeyun that are together, coming together to plan a day where each organization's speakers present to parents about how to educate, advice on how to educate. So as opposed to one shul or one school or one yeshiva or one seminary presenting its ideas, here you're going to be able to hear from all these different institutions together. Um, That's really what's exciting about it, and hashkafically, it includes organizations that are very much to the right and ones that are more to the left because really the goals of education unify all of us, and the challenges are very similar, if not the same, and we can all learn together from representatives from all of our great institutions.
0: There are there are uh, a number of organizations which will be very familiar to our listenership. Everybody from Ishkodesh, Kodesh, Yakov, Beth Shalom Central, as in the Girls, oh, Yeshiva University High School for Girls, DRS, Hafter Halb, Hakotel, Hank, Yeshiva HaRova. I mean, I, I literally could keep going on because there are two more lines, but it includes, obviously, the Young Israel of Woodmere, the Young Israel of West Hempstead, Yeshiva University, and the Orthodox Union is a major sponsor as well.
1: Yes, we're very appreciative to them. Alan Fagan there, Judah Isaacs, uh, Mayor Furtig for their help.
0: Oh, absolutely. But So I, I, I hear where you're coming from in terms of the fact that there's really, I mean, there's a spectrum. There's a wonderful, wonderful spectrum of, of people coming from, from various parts of the world, so to speak. Um, Are all the different topics being covered that day able to really reach people who are across that broad spectrum?
1: Well, just to give you a sense, in each of these communities, there are going to be five or six slots with six speakers in each slot. And in each slot, there's a shul rub speaking representing one of the shuls, high school principal speaking in elementary school, a yeshiva from Israel, a seminary from Israel, other speakers. The reason you have these different kinds of speakers in each slot is so that different kinds of people where their kids are at different ages and stages can hear the advice that speaks to them best. And the topics are varied, again, over 30, 40 topics in the two different conferences. So you're really going to get different vantage points on different kinds of issues for children at different stages, which the opportunity for the community to come together for an event like this.
0: I'm looking at some of the topics that are being offered at the young Israel of Woodmere. I don't have the one for Teenex, so I'm going to specifically talk about the ones um, from the for, from the young Israel Woodmere. By the way, are you dancing at both chasanas? Are you going to the other one in Tina because I do see you on the on the sheet for the one at Woodmere.
1: There are five or six speakers mainly from the Israel institutions. You know, uh, that are taking part who are going to be coming early to one and late to the other.
2: Ah, okay. including myself.
1: Also, <laughs> well renowned ultra community speakers like uh, Dr. Rabbi Dr. Yaakov Horowitz, uh, the Shechter, uh, Dr. Shechters from uh, Muncie, who were requested by both communities, so they've agreed to come to both, which is very nice.
0: That's, that's fantastic. Can I ask you about your topic that I see here um, for the Young Israel of Woodmere? Is that, mm-hmm. is that alright? Um, let me sure. just, let me just pull it up. One second. Which, I'm
1: also sending you, I don't know if you're able to do on the show, I'll send you an email with uh, the updated topics for uh, t
0: Oh, no, that it. would be great. Ah, so here you are. So in the 11 o'clock hour, Rabbi Tarragon is going to be talking about how, and then in parentheses it says, the only way to get children to identify with their parents. Do you think that's the biggest struggle that we are, as parents, are facing in 2014, getting our children to identify with us?
1: I don't know if I could say the biggest because, unfortunately, or fortunately, we face many struggles and challenges, but I think it's a big one. Uh, we're living in a world where kids are exposed to many different types of lifestyles, and we're part of a missora, and we want to pass on not that our kids should be the same as us, but that they should mm. see themselves as continuing where we come from. And so we want to try and present who we are and what we are in a way that they'll want to continue it
0: I like on the w- some level. I like the way you put that, that we don't want them to be the same as us, but we want them to share those values
1: as a continuation,
0: to see even the, if they're different. To see themselves as a continuation. It's about the link in the chain.
1: 100%.
0: Very, very interesting. That's that's an important point. I want to make sure that people know registration has begun for both uh, Yemei Yun, correct?
1: That's correct, and we're not requiring it, but obviously it'll help us prepare properly as far as breakfast, and everything is free. You know, we're inviting private individuals, organizations to sponsor many you have already, and... People are welcome to reach out to us. We're happy to receive sponsorship. It's free for the public, and registration will help us know how to prepare appropriately.
0: That's that's fantastic. And by the way, once you say breakfast, you know, that puts things in a totally different category.
1: There you go, right? Yeah, not bad. If we had lunch and dinner, we'd be a uh, amassed by people I said,
0: <laughs> That's for sure. So again, we're looking at five different columns for each for each hour. And it's really a packed schedule, starting with chakras at eight thirty, nine twenty five, the keynote speakers. Um I presume that the that the day in Teenuk looks similar as I'm I'm trying to pull that up from you. The, uh, the, I
1: sent it to you. It looks very similar. The difference is that there starts at eight o'clock and you know most of the speakers are different, the organizations are different, but the structure is ah, similar. Ah, The
0: structure is similar. Okay. Um that's that's great. So at eleven o'clock is when you're speaking and then and uh and the Rebitzen Tarragon, Shawnee Tarragon, who is a favorite and well known to so many, so many people and for good reason. Um she is speaking at ten twenty representing the seminaries portion. It's a very interesting structure by the way, and I don't I don't mean that negatively at all. Um the the fact that there's the Shulra category, the community schools and speakers, the different seminary and, and you vote, uh, representatives, and then the speakers speakers, so to speak. <laughs> um I mean broad
1: speakers who aren't necessarily part of a particular school in the community but right are people in the community who knows well, like Mr. Charlie Harari who is speaking at one o'clock who I think just his show is right before your show.
0: Yes. And, correctly. Correct. And Dr. Novick is actually spoke speaking also at ten o'clock in the ten o'clock hour at the Young Israel of Woodmere, how to raise socially skilled and socially responsible teens. So you really are filling you know, answering questions and dealing with topics that across the spectrum are are things that are really on the forefront of, of parents' minds. How did you realize that this niche was not being met within the community?
1: Well, you know, I deal with a lot of these communities because I deal with boys who come from the communities, and I deal with a lot of the parents as well, and I see a lot of what's going on, and I think a lot of wonderful organizations are doing a lot of wonderful work. But I think it's splintered and scattered in the sense that every five minutes there's another Yomi Yun with two speakers in five towns or in Teaneck, and I think they're excellent. The notion here is that we can create an event together which, A, presents the Achtut that we really do share on most issues. Let's highlight the 99% that makes us the same as opposed to the 1% that makes us different. And number two, brings together the wisdom of the different organizations that are out there presenting already, just not doing it together. So instead of there being 30 Yemeiyun that attract 20 people each, Let's do one, you may even, that can attract the 600 people who can learn together as a community. I think there's a lot of power in that. And everyone would agree, I think, the most important thing to us is educating our children. It's also one of the most challenging things we face. We don't have a degree in parenthood, Mm. to paraphrase the famous uh, joke. So we become parents, and we do our best. And it's very important to us, but we don't always know. And uh, I think the topics here are... Excellent because each speaker was told to choose the topic that they feel most passionately about. So each one is presenting their raison etra, hmm. their A game speech about education. And so I'm sure most of the feedback we've gotten is that people are torn between too many
0: speakers they want to hear. Rabbi, I got it. It's t- wonderful.
1: I think, think that. I- there should be too much than too little you want to hear.
0: Absolutely. I'm looking at the schedule myself, and I'm not sure how I would be able to. I mean, I'm out of the state. I'm out of the state that day, and so I wouldn't be able to attend. But I'm looking at all of these options and saying, you know, how do you decide which child you love the most kind of a thing.
1: (laughs) Well, we do hope to video and make them available, but I'm sure there's going to be a special energy that day that people who come will will remember it and appreciate it and will be happy that they were there.
0: Are we encouraging parents to bring their children to these events? And I don't mean little kids, but I do mean teens. Is it is it important, especially for a speech like yours, when yeah. you're when you're trying to impart to parents the the idea or the, the skills by which to make their children identify with them. Does it benefit parents to bring their kids?
1: As an educator I would say so, First of all, from our side, from the conference's side, we are more than happy that older children ready to hear these kind of topics should attend. Now, whether parents should get their children to come or not, as an educator, I would say, we should encourage our children to consider whether they'll gain from it and whether they want to come. But it really has to come from children in order for it to matter. And if we pressure our children into coming to something, it'll be counterproductive to the goals we have of having them reach the conclusions that they can reach as mature adults.
0: I'm not saying this to be funny, but it sounds a little bit like getting my kids to go to shul shop this morning.
1: I think everything's like that. We may succeed at forcing or coercing our children into doing things, but we can't succeed in getting them to want it unless they choose to want it.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, I I imagine <laughs> that that's going to be part of what you're going to be going through with parents that morning. Is there going to be an opportunity for parents during, and again, I'm speaking specifically to your topic because I completely understand where you're coming from and 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 the need for that topic for that need for that topic to be covered is there going to be opportunity for parents to say listen this is what I'm going through this is what I see with my child because there is safety in numbers
1: I think the conference is going to be a tease it's going to be a tease because you're bringing together 30 to 40, depending on the conference, different speakers. Each one of them, I'm not speaking about myself. I'm speaking about the names that are very well-known, are excellent educators who have a lot to offer, and having all these different people speak at the same time. And for such a short amount of time, you'll notice the slots are about 30 minutes. Everyone, I I assume, is going to walk away with an appetizer. Mm. And we're very hopeful that we'll continue these kind of events and these kind of forums, and it should be a forum, where we can study education together. So I assume that the limitations are going to keep people from really feeling that they've gotten everything they want to gain and that they've had a chance to approach their own issues with the the speakers, but hopefully it will open the door to these kinds of things. And there's already a lot of talk about how these things can be continued afterwards on a yearly basis, on a bi-yearly, monthly, weekly basis where parents can have the opportunity to learn from a broad range of educators about how to better educate.
0: Wow, so you're right. It is a little bit of a tease. I think that that's probably a very good way to put it. Now that I have the uh, TNEC flyer in front of me and I appreciate you getting that to me so quickly. Tell me what people can look forward to in TNEC.
1: Well, you mentioned my wife. My wife is one of the keynote Mrs. Shani Tarragon, one of the keynote speakers in TNEC, And when it was being arranged, I spoke to the committee and I think an important part here was the fact that there are committee lay people involved in the planning, both in the Five Towns and Teaneck, and I thank both committees, particularly the chairs in the Five Towns, Mrs. Sherry Hammer and in Teaneck, Mrs. Susie Schwartz. But uh, when I spoke to the committee in Teaneck about my wife being a keynote, they actually raised it with me, and I said, I'm nervous people might think that she's a keynote because of her relationship with me. (laughs) And they said something to me that, one of the most flattering things I've heard in a long time, they said, no one will think that your wife is speaking because of her relationship with you. Um, And thankfully, I'm married to someone who I believe is the most wonderful person in the world, and I'm not the only one who believes that. For sure. Um, And so she's a very special speaker. And what you were speaking about before, her topic is homeschooling our school children. The message of this conference is that kids grow up in the best way, not by being sent to the best schools, but by being raised in the best homes. And schools contribute a lot, but homes and parents are central in the process, and that's why, as educators, we're reaching out to parents. So in Teaneck, my wife is a keynote speaker, Rabbi Dr. Saloveitchik, a well-known speaker and very popular and always has meaningful things to say, is honoring us with his presence as a keynote speaker. Um, And, of course, the organizational people from the schools in the community as we are doing in the five towns, which is really what makes this unique. It's a community conference because the major organizations from the community are taking part. Mm. And then, of course, uh, major well-known speakers like Rabbi J.J. J. Schachter and Rabbi Stephen Weil and uh, Dr. Schachter from uh, Muncie, a psychologist, and people who are going to add a perspective beyond and in addition to what the community speakers are bringing to the table.
0: This is seriously like a greatest hits album. You know that? This is the greatest <laughs> hits. I, I mean, listen, you've got to use some kind of music reference. We are the Siegel Network. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a greatest hits opportunity. For anyone who wanted to hear a speaker from this, and I'm going to use this term loosely, this veld, so to speak, and this university, and this yeshiva, and this shul, and this school, and this day school, and get an opportunity to put all of those titles and um, uh, institutions aside and focus on what's important, which is the education of the child.
1: Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. And, um, you know, this is the Nachum Siegel show, so music here is critical. Um, it's, it's the harmony of the different voices coming together as one. Mm. And I think a husband that and a was wife good. That was good. can conceivably go to such an event and maybe go together to right. lectures and maybe split up and hear a total of 15 different people and share then afterwards. And so I think there's a chance to really be exposed to so many different ideas really move your educational ability leaps forward which is the goal. And when you talk about the perspectives, there are entry schools for parents whose children are there, that different high schools, the five most attended high schools in Peanuck are all represented, so you can hear, let's say you have a child in eighth grade, you're starting to think about high schools. Well, you're going to get to hear from the different perspectives of the different people involved there. There are people from the JLIC on secular campus uh, speaking, and Rabbi Horowitz, who has a lot to say about how to deal with children and child abuse and treating children with respect and pro- you can hear different people from Eretz Israel, from yeshiva and yeah. in seminaries, or from the different shuls. So like you're saying, it's greatest hits in that it brings together all the different people. Together as one Ba'achdud. And again, I think topics that people have a lot to learn from.
0: Rabbi Ruben Tarion joins us. He is, can I say, leading the Yomion? Yomi is that a good way of putting it? I guess so. All right. We'll take that. He is leading the Yemei the Un, to use the term properly, that is being held June 29th, 2014. That's just in a couple of weeks, folks. And there's one at the Young Israel of Woodmere. And as we know, there is one in Teaneck as well. I'm just shrinking this down to make sure. It's at B'nai Yashurin, you said, correct?
1: Correct.
0: Correct. At B'nai Yashurin in Teaneck. Can we go over how people can register? I know that, again, you said registration is not required, but it is helpful. How do people register?
1: Well, there are two links, uh, short links that you can click. They're on the, both of the flyers. The flyers will be displayed in the local papers this Shabbat. They'll also be on poster boards in the major shuls. They'll also, and any or organization that wants to post can be in touch with us. We're happy to give them one. It's also on the flyers that have been photocopied that will be in the uh, cubbies in shuls. <laughs> um, I can save the link if it's helpful for people. Sure, it's, absolutely,
0: uh, absolutely.
1: For TNEC, it's bit.ly backslash T-N-E-K. Hakotel. Uh, that's pretty easy. Uh, that's the short link. And for the five towns, it's again bit.ly backslash hakotel. The number five and the letter T. Hakotel five T. So it's a you know short link bit.ly L-I with a backslash and then either tnech hakotel or hakotel f five T. So, and you can probably uh, see it on all the flyers and in the papers, etc. And we appreciate it because it'll also help us decide which speaker should be in which sized room. Mm. If we know, (laughs) you know, how many people want to hear each speaker. There's going to be a lot of logistics, obviously, going into making sure this can work on the level it can really work on.
0: And again, we thank our friends at the OU who not only sponsor programming for us here at the Naughtham Siegel Network, but our major sponsors for this this program as well. Rabbi Tarragon, with only the couple of minutes left that we have, I want to ask you, this is the first time you are under this is this massive undertaking is taking place. How are you going to know if it's a success?
1: Well we're going to have feedback forms. I think is always important so individuals can express their uh, what they felt. We're going to want to hear from the educators and the participants what they felt about it, and of course, we're going to look at the participation. And uh, if people turn out, we'll see that this is something people are interested in, and we'll build on it for the future. And if if people don't turn out, we'll take uh, that as an indication too. But our impression thus far is that there's a lot of excitement, and we're anticipating a very large crowd.
0: No, I imagine with again with this kind of a lineup, I mean, it's like you got Mariano Rivera playing every single inning. Why would you want to be anywhere else? That by one the, of
1: the uh, people in the committee said it's Murderer's Row. Use the <laughs> <a> 1927 <laughs> Yankee reference. So, uh, yeah. yeah, meaning it really each one in the lineup hits for power and for average.
0: Right. No, that is for sure. Good baseball reference, Rabbi. By the way, great baseball reference. Um, again, you can go to the, uh, sorry, I'm having trouble seeing this one, bit.ly slash Hakotel. That's the one for the program in Teaneck. And let me just pull up the other one again. As you said, it is bit.ly slash Hakotel Hotel 5T, and that's the number 5, not the word 5, 5T. Five
1: and it's a backslash.
0: Oh, backslash. I apologize. It is a backslash. No. It is a backslash. Okay, well, Rabbi Tarragon, I thank you so much. You know, it's funny. I'm like, the reason I'm stuttering a little bit is because I'm looking at the neck flyer on my iPhone, and it seems (laughs) that I'm not as young as I used to be. So looking at the numbers and looking at the letters, it's a little bit harder than it has been. Anyway, Rabbi Tarragon, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it very much, and uh, I look forward to hearing the results of this Yomi Yun and to getting feedback on this and, again, to having you on in the future.
1: Thank you for having me, and if you want to speak after the conferences, I'll be happy to share everything with you, and we can talk about how to move forward.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's always important, by the way, I think, for, for all of us to get feedback, et cetera, and, and um, to recap. You know, it's like we call a postmortem here when Nahum and I go over something, we look at something, we already know what we want to do differently, et cetera. All of those things are important, so I welcome it. We it's sh- shame the
1: Rangers didn't do that between different games this uh,
0: week. Yes, yes. Well, we're going to talk about sports in about 20 minutes, so st- <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> i available. It- Thank you, Rabbi Tarakan. Take care.
1: All right. Have a good day. Thank you you for too. Having. You're
0: listening to that live here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and it's a first here on the network. We are going to um, not only speak to somebody on the phone, but we are also going to be speaking to two people in the studio, one of whom speaks English. And one of whom speaks only Italian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that that was the English that we got so far, <laughs> which is pretty exciting. Rabbi Mouly, you on the phone.
3: I am on the phone. Yeah. Uh,
0: good morning, Rabbi Yitzchak Muli is actually the founder. Can I call you the founder? Uh, yes, you can. Excellent. He is the founder of Creative Soul, the Creative Soul org, and if I explained it as. Um, an opportunity for artists to search or connect with their Judaism through art would that be a good way of explaining it
3: yes sir. absolutely
0: excellent. Tell me more about it
3: well the, the, the <clears throat> now, where do I begin um, The creative soul came out of a uh, a whole series of um of you know uh, you know. I've been an artist for a while, and that's a story on its own. But uh, we created a, a, a gallery show in Crown Heights, uh, one Tishrei about three years ago. And it was, it was very last minute, and it was just the, me and a few artists, and just the response of this show was just so incredible. Uh, the show came about after I, I went to Venice uh, with my wife, because ten years prior to that I had studied in Venice and became a rabbi in Venice. And always wanted to take my wife back there. And when I did take her, take, take her there, and we went, and it was an amazing trip, I met David Ariel, the, uh, the Italian artist sitting with you there. Mm-hmm. And amongst that trip, he said, Could I represent him in New York? And I'm a rabbi, I'm an artist, but no way was I thinking anything in terms of representing other artists. And he got me thinking. And uh, I saw a storefront in Crown Heights, uh, an area in Brooklyn that was selling Lulav and Minasuragim in the early part of Tishrei. And I thought, hey, you know, come in the middle of Sukkot, you know, come Chalamoy. they got no use for uh, selling Lulav and Minasuragim. Let me find out about this store. And I ended up renting the storefront. And it was all so last minute from Yom Kippur uh, until the beginning of Sukkot. Is all the time we had, we had 15 artists. I just put out a call. I said, you know, the, the artists that I knew, and the title of the show was Chasidim of Color. Anyone who defines himself as a chassid, who has color to share, who has some sort of artwork, just bring it we'll put it up, and we'll just, we'll just do this. So there was David's work, my work, and it started with 15 artists that ended up with more than 30 artists. It was just, we couldn't close the doors. Two in the morning, three in the morning, people just kept coming in. The response was so overwhelming. Uh, it actually ended up being featured on uh, Oprah. Did a two-part documentary in the Hasidic community. It, it made it into
0: that. I was going to ask I you. Really, I was going to ask you about that, but I wanted to wait for another couple minutes because I'm so I was right. so inspired by the um, by the story behind it. But the one question that that really remained in my head was, what made you think that a pop-up art gallery in Crown Heights was going to fly? Uh,
3: you know. I just the rent was a thousand dollars i'll be honest, and I thought you know i can I'm willing to lose a thousand dollars on this, you know I'm passionate enough about art and creativity and not not on its own, but really as a medium and as a way of exploring Judaism in a greater depth and and I'd call it a, a different language to connect with our Judaism, and I thought, you know what. That, that's that's all you know. I'm willing to lose that, uh, and it was it was a, an incredible success.
0: It sounds like the Chabad rabbi in you coming out, and I mean that wholeheartedly because it is a it is such a a, a warm Hasidish, um you know, basically sentiment that there are so many different ways that you can express your love of Yiddishkeit and connect with your connect with your religion and connect with God, and art is just one of those mediums that that people can use.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. The truth is that, you know, if I can take a step back, with my own journey as an, as an artist, um, my parents were hippies, but uh, <laughs> I...
0: You're in, the, you're in the right, Abad you're in the nightmare, that,
3: right? Uh, but, you know, as an artist, once I started getting serious about it, I turned to, to my, my personal rabbi, my shpia, the, the rabbi I, you know, seek guidance from, and I said, well, is this appropriate? Should I be spending so much time painting? Mm. You know, is that a good use of time, or is it just, you know, too self-fulfilling? And I should be doing more things, you know, for the greater good of, of humanity, or, or just—is it an appropriate thing for me to be doing, spending so much time on it? And he said, "Stop a second, He said, "Why did God create the world?" So I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in an eyeing And he said, well, "Chidus explains. this has great, you know, and Kabbalah talks about it and so on. But the answer we have is because God had." Nishava Kodesh Baruch God had this great desire to create the world, that the, this creative spirit in God created the world uh, was, was given to us in, in a small sense. And we each have a strength, we each have an ability, we each have a gift that we have. And the question isn't, should we do use that gift? It's how do we use that gift to connect to God, to, to strengthen you know, our relationship with God, other people's relationship with God, to make the world a better place? Wow! And once he told me that it was, it was liberating. It was liberating because, on some level, I thought it was just about me painting, expressing myself, and getting it out. But it's about this message that I can convey through my own art, and now in a, in a much larger way through the creative soul.
0: Bishvili nivraha olam. Yeah. 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 In this case, for you and for your talent. I do not want to ignore, and heaven forbid, and I want to invite on to join our conversation, the two people sitting to the left of me, uh, David Ariel. And I am going to mess up your last name because I have no Italian. Can you, your entire name is?
2: My, na- my name is uh, De Guglielmi, David Ariel De Guglielmi.
0: Right. I would not have said it nearly that well. And your translator who is joining us here this morning is Rivka. Is Rifka's mic on? Hi. Yes. Uh, oh, hi. Good morning, Rifka. How are you? Thank you both for joining me. So when did you get to New York? Uh,
2: two days ago.
0: Two days ago. Well, welcome to New York. This Thank m- you so much. You are my first Italian guest here on That's Life. It's a first. I've never actually sat with, you know, somebody who's real Italian. I, I would love to serve you something. I have no Italian food. <laughs> uh, where do you find your inspiration? I know you live in Venice.
2: I live in Venice, yes. Great.
0: Where do you find your inspiration in Venice to connect it to your Hasidic pop art?
2: Uh, a Venezia c'è una grande energia uh, La comunità è molto, molto bella, stupenda, una grande energia. In Venice, there is a,
4: a great uh, Hasidic uh, energy and the Lubavitch commu- uh, community has also a beautiful energy.
2: About it. C'è una grande cosa, c'è una scuola uh, per uh, Bakurim, per studenti, per diventare rabbini. E loro ci danno una carica incredibile.
4: And the Bakurim that learning this yeshiva, they gave us an uh, amazing uh, charge ch- of
0: energy. Yeah. Wow, and how did you meet Rabbi Muli?
2: Yeah, dice, e quando ho incontrato Muli? Ah, Oh, it's fantastic. And Luke and uh, Mully and, uh, and a kippa in different color. Ah, I speak English, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Italian. <sorry. laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Scusami. Ho visto Mully la prima volta con la sua kippa di colore diverso, i suoi calzini di colore diverso.
4: And uh, the colorful kippa, um, and the colorful socks.
2: E mi sono messo a parlare. And I to him. E ho scoperto quanto eravamo simili, quanto avevamo un'energia che cercava di, di fare uno stesso percorso.
4: E ho trovato di essere simili e di essere amici. La nostra energia era, ehm, convegnata a guardare per un altro percorso, una
2: ricerca. Io capivo poco di quello che lui diceva, lui capiva poco di quello che io gli dicevo. Ma è bastato <ride> guardare i nostri lavori per capire che dicevamo la stessa cosa.
4: But it uh, was sufficient to look at uh, each other's work uh, to understand that we were meaning the same thing. Wow.
2: Wow! Very nice. Yes, absolutely,
3: yeah. absolutely. I, I want David Ariel has an incredible story uh, himself. He was an accomplished artist, and then his journey to Judaism, and then his Jewish art. I so was instead of me telling it, if you, uh, I want to make sure that you get it out of him.
0: I was okay. actually going to I was actually going to ask him about it because there is a story with you and a car accident, if I'm not mistaken, that brought you to your yiddishkeit.
4: Cioè, eh, qual è il tuo percorso e, e, e sa che c'è un, un incidente che è successo ah, con sì. la macchina? Sì,
2: sì eh, c'è una, una cosa buffa, mi piacciono le moto, mi è sempre piaciuto andare in moto.
4: Mm. I always like... Um, motor- Motorcycles. Yes. Motorcycles. Yes. Ah. E ho avuto anche cinque incidenti. E uh, um, yeah. yeah.
2: l'ultimo mi è costato okay. sei mesi d'ospedale e sei mesi in sedia a rotelle. And
4: last time, was uh, um, was uh, caused cosed uh, six month in hospital and a six month in a wheelchair, yeah.
2: yeah. Ma
0: Well you look great,
2: <laughs> 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 e sono tornato in moto dopo eh ho ricomprato la moto. M- uh,
0: yeah. You bike. did go back yeah. to the bike. Yeah. What no, guys in no. their bikes I don't mm. understand, but anyway, mm. okay.
2: No. <laughs> non ero molto religioso, non eh, non non guardavo per niente l'ebraismo. Anche se ne ero sempre attratto, ma era una cosa che lasciamo in
4: angolo.
2: Ma questo periodo di, di fermo mi ha dato la possibilità di riflettere sulla mia vita e su quello che stavo facendo.
4: E uh, through this period of uh, reflection I can uh, think about my life and what I was doing. In life.
2: Su- Sulle cose più importanti della vita.
4: Uh, important um,
2: c'è una, una storia molto particolare. Quando mi sono risvegliato dopo il primo intervento chirurgico.
4: Another, uh, interesting story after I woke up from the uh, surgery. Uh,
2: in fondo al letto c'era una persona seduta. E mi ha detto, non hai ancora capito?
4: Um, you get yet? Didn't you get
2: yet? Io gli ho detto, cosa dici? Cosa, cosa so c'è?
4: E gli
2: ho detto, non, la persona mi ha detto, non ho detto nulla. Ogni volta che io eh, mi allontanavo dalla spiritualità, da qualcosa di spirituale, c'era sempre qualcosa che mi faceva tornare che mi diceva cos'era più importante, se erano più importanti i soldi, il successo, la fama.
4: Every time I went uh, uh, far from
2: Oppure fare un lavoro diverso.
4: Or doing something different.
2: Yeah. Something e... makes a Un giorno ho ascoltato un discorso del Rebbe che diceva che c'è un lavoro da fare dentro di noi e fuori di noi.
4: Wow. E ho
2: capito che l'importanza non erano sol- sono importanti le persone ma c'è qualcosa che noi dobbiamo fare, veniamo qua per fare e questo è la nostra strada e dobbiamo farla con più gioia e energia possibile. Enjoy.
4: And uh, so I understood that um, it's not only um, the, the person important yeah, but also oh, the, so the path important. that he has to go to uh, follow and the and the job he has to do in this world.
0: That's incredible. And your work tonight, your art tonight is being featured at the gallery. Rabbi Muli, I have that correct, right?
3: Yes, yes, his work is being featured in the gallery. If I can, you know, I think we got a little bit lost in translation, and David's being a little bit too modest. <laughs> David was a very accomplished artist, as a secular artist in, in Italy, and he was in the Venice Biennial, which, for those who know, is a very, you know, a prestigious uh, place for an artist to be, to be showing there. And when he became religious, he left the art behind, and he felt that he couldn't find a, a parallel between the two, and he became a, a mashkiach in a, in a uh, factory in Italy making kosher food. And after a little while, one of the senior rabbis said to him, "What are you doing? Hmm. You're an artist. You have to paint. You have to express your your skill through art. Express Jewish arts. But you know, you're an artist. Don't go paint. Get out of the factory." And they kicked him out essentially. And that's shortly after that he opened his gallery in Venice and and is doing exactly that.
0: Wow. That yes, I, I appreciate you helping put us all put <laughs> those different pieces together because that's yes, definitely. I, I, Yes. That's definitely important. And you, let's talk about your art as well, because going on your website, um, which is Mooley Art, am I correct? That is
3: correct.
0: Yes. M O U M O U L L Y Art dot com. I mean, you referred to yourself in the Oprah interview as the uh, the Hasid with the orange socks. Yes. Which is a great which is a great little tidbit, and the fact that you took off your black hat during the interview, and there was a a bright pink kippa underneath your black hat. Yes. <laughs> Why is all of that important? You know, well,
3: it, it, different thing, You know, the socks came first, um, and I actually have a piece titled "Orange Socks," and you can see it on my website. Oh, That's,
0: I have seen it, it's and I have a
3: It's a phenomenal a whole piece row of Hasidim. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's somewhat of a self-portrait—a row of Hasidim all walking, all in black, on a yellow background, and they're all, you know, one after the other, straight in line, and one mm-hmm. guy is wearing orange socks, and you know. I, I feel you don't need dreadlocks to find your individuality. Mm. You don't need a big tattoo to define your individuality. The truth is that, you know, within terror, Torah expects us and demands of us to find ourselves within terror. So, you know, I, I, I dress the part, I wear a black hat, I wear, you know, uh, you know I dress as a chassid, but color is important to me. So, you know, it doesn't, you know, I can wear whatever color socks I want. I wore orange socks to my wedding. <laughs> because, because why not? You know, uh, because it, why it just not? shows you know the little bit of of the fun side and the lighter side. The yarmulke. You know, I'm uh, a Chabad rabbi in a little town called Basking Ridge. I'm the youth rabbi here, and whenever we have a bar bat mitzvah, you know, when when I get up to do my part, um, I usually put on the yarmulke of the of the event. Generally, you know, the family makes yarmulkes. Sure. And they come in all sorts of different colors. And there was a young girl. By the name of Sarah Beth Evangelista, a very good Jewish girl, uh, whose uh, you know whose father was not Jewish, but uh, her mother was, is, and uh, she is. She was very proud of her having her bat mitzvah. She's very involved, and she had this hot pink yarmulke. And I put it on, and at the end of the service, I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to keep this one on. That's uh, awesome. She's been out of college already for a few years. <laughs> she's she's grown on. Uh, the, the the yarmulkes have changed, but the pink is still there. And you know what? It, a rabbi with a pink yarmulke is just that much more approachable. You know, the, the Hebrew school kids love it. The parents think it's hilarious, and it's it it just you know it, it breaks down barriers, which is really what I try to do with my art right. is to is to break down barriers. It's not you know it's not your your, your grandparents Hasidic art. It's not a scene from uh, <laughs> you know, from shtetl Right, right. I want to I want to engage with the young American audience, the the unaffiliated. You know, for for a a Jewish couple to put up a, uh, a painting of a, a kiddush cup and a martini glass on the right, wall. Right, for sure. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's hip, it's contemporary, but it's still, you know, it, it may open a conversation around the table about, uh, you know, uh, what's a kiddush cup doing on your mm. wall? Oh, what's kiddush? Oh, I remember Friday night. You know, it, it just, it's an opener. It's it's a way to, to connect
0: Jews with their Judaism. Well, I took the opportunity to look through your website, and Orange Socks was definitely my favorite piece. Bar none. And I, I love the, um, I love the tongue in cheek and I love the individualism and I love the fact that, um, it, besides the breaking down the barriers between what the outside world thinks about, um Hasidus or chasidim in, in general it's like you know the way we look at each other as yidden as as one jew to another and it's a phenomenal opportunity for somebody to say you know what i thought i knew chasidim i thought i knew this person i thought i knew that person just from what i see but you have to get to know a person it's really good musar
3: no, we 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 all have our individuality. Absolutely, we're all you know, and and we all we have to celebrate that. Right. Uh, you know, we got to wear the uniform that we do. We got to we got to you know abide by you know. But but Terra is is the is the the guide that from within we can you know we can definitely express ourselves. So the event
0: tonight starts at eight thirty. It is Hasidic pop art of Venice comes to New York, and it is uh, it'll be at three eighty six Kingston Avenue in Brooklyn. That is 8:30 tonight, 386 Kingston Avenue in Brooklyn. How long is the show up for?
3: The show is up for three weeks. It's uh, it's going to come down on Sunday, the uh, June 29th, and uh, it's open uh, Monday to Friday from from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, and definitely open by appointment. So anyone can you know can reach out to me through my website, through the Creative Soul website. Uh, you know if they'd like to come. See the work. Uh, All the work will be up, uh, you know, on the
0: Creative Soul website. And David, are you staying for three weeks?
2: Yeah, one month.
0: Whoa, a whole month here! You're going to end up sounding like me when you're done. I love you, New York. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want to make some pasta, anytime, you know, just uh, hang around with us. So, David Ariel, I thank you so much for joining me in the studio. Brachel, I thank you for your help. Rivka, sorry, I thank you for your help. And uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Muli, Creative Soul. Dot org i thank you first of all for contacting me because you're right this is completely up my alley i appreciate you reaching out that's number one and number two thank you for allowing us to discuss what hasidic pop art is because frankly it's not as crazy as it sounds
3: No, not at all not at all and uh, i think we need a follow-up conversation a little more on what the creative soul is and what our goals are both within the the uh... The, from the orthodox community and, and beyond uh... to to really you know to, to see the value of creativity uh, within our community and the power that it has to to help us you know, strengthen
0: our Judaism. I would love that. I have to buy my copy of, of Orange Socks first. Once I get my print of that, then we can uh, then we can revisit the conversation.
3: It will be my gift to
0: you. <laughs> oh, I will, that's uh, quite all right.
3: Address, I'll send one
0: out. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me again. You can go to creativesoul.org. And Hasidic Pop Art of Venice, the show starts tonight at 830 tonight, 386 Kingston Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Thanks for joining me.
3: Thank you very
0: much. And with a couple of minutes left, we are going to turn our call to Israel, because the sports rabbi, Josh Halakman, joins us from Israel. Rabbi, are you on the phone? I... How are you doing, Miriam? There we are. Thank God. We were having some technical difficulties at the beginning of the show. I'm happy we're uh, running smoothly at this point. Good morning. How are you?
5: Very good. How's everything?
0: Thank God. So we could either start talking about the Rangers but, uh, but or not, because you know there's there's too much pain there. Rabbi well, just... listen,
5: they, uh, <laughs> the New York Rangers were able to give one victory, home victory to their fans. You never know what happens when they go back out to Los Angeles. And then all of a sudden, if they come back for a game six back in uh, Madison Square Garden, where I used to hang out on a regular basis, I might say I was a <laughs> Rangers season ticket holder for ten years before making Aliyah. Wow! Uh, you never know. You have to be, you know, you have to be optimistic here. You have to build just one game at a time. Who thought they were going to come back against the Penguins?
0: So you're a Messier fan. Uh,
5: the last thing that I purchased at Madison Square Garden was a Messier jersey before oh. I made my Aliyah.
0: Nice, nice. Well, I'm happy you went prepared, but I really wanted to talk to you about the World Cup, specifically because. It's not. It is a World Cup. It is exciting on a, an international level, on a global level, but not too many Americans. This is not the most popular sport here. And when we talk about the sporting events that are going on right now, you have the NBA Finals, you have the World Cup, you have the the Stanley Cup, you have the U.S. Open Golf Tournament. The last thing that people are really talking about is the um, is the is the World Cup in Sao Paulo, Brazil. So. Talk to me for a second about how that is contradicted in Europe.
5: In Europe, the World Cup, and pretty much around the world other than the United States, this is the largest uh, sporting event and most popular, most watched sporting event, probably even more than the Olympics. It is a a massive uh, amount of viewers. The game tonight is going to probably be viewed, and I don't know how many countries, but by billions of viewers throughout the world, Brazil against Croatia, of course, Brazil is hosting this World Cup, and it's just massive. It's a, it's a huge, huge thing for these European countries to be able to root for their fans, to be able to see their team and their players playing on the international stage against uh, the best teams across the world, Brazil, Spain, Mexico. United States is a very strong team. People look at them as outsiders, but the United States, who actually have one Jewish soccer player on their team, Kyle Beckerman, captain of uh, Real Salt Lake. He uh, he as well is on that United States national team.
0: What is it about soccer? Soccer is so popular in Israel as well. What is it about soccer?
5: I think it's the, the build-up, the drama. It's, uh, it reflects society. I think it reflects society and societal norms and what's going on in your home. And I think that you see that across the world, be it in Brazil, be it in Israel as well. You see what what goes on in the soccer stands reflects a lot of what goes on in society as well, and um, it's taken a storm. And in, in Israel itself, soccer is huge. European soccer is much bigger than the Israeli league, um, but it's uh, it's massive. It's not to see a, a child walk around with a Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo jersey is uh, you know you'll see that a number of times each day.
0: Wow. In general, we talk about how there are so many paradigms in sports, and there are so many lessons to learn from sports, or things that we can connect to Yiddishkeit. Is there something specific about soccer that speaks to the Jewish soul?
5: I think it's the you know the, the drama, it's the, uh, the the victory, defeat, the um, you know knowing what the the Jewish people have gone through for so many years, and being able to climb that mountain once again, and that's what every team is trying to do is trying to build one two three victories some points and move along and uh, see and rally their country behind them the same thing with Israel as we continue to grow as a Jewish people and Israel continues to uh, to grow and to become a flourishing society we're doing this little by little and we see that in soccer and Hopefully, the Israel national team will be in the next World Cup. They've been waiting quite some time. They haven't been in it since 1970.
0: So. I was I was going to ask you. a little bit of time. I was going to ask you what the um, what it takes to qualify and why Israel hasn't.
5: Um, first of all, Israel's located in the European um, Union uh, for soccer, in essence, UEFA. Okay. And because of that, they play against the top competition really in the world because the European countries are the best. Therefore, to qualify out of Europe is very difficult because there's only X amount of spots. And uh, you're playing against teams like Spain, the Netherlands. You're playing against Croatia, Greece. These are all teams that made the World Cup. England, Italy, Switzerland, France. Um, you know, Bosnia in the World Cup for the first time. Germany, no. Portugal, Belgium, wow. Russia. They're playing against hard teams, massive uh amounts of population that play the game and so much money that's invested in those sports. In Israel, the investment is not at anywhere the same amount as any other country. and It's just not the training systems, what goes into the training facilities, um, the youth systems. It's uh, We're starting to build that, but it takes a lot of time. And You look at a country like Germany or look at a country like Belgium, they have had these uh, youth systems in place for years and years and years, and the investment by... The government into these programs is tremendous, whereas Israel has to put their investment into defense into uh, you know in general and other places right. where a lot of countries don't have to spend their money
0: right fair point fair point is um am I mistaken I mean you just you spoke before about how what goes on at soccer matches is often a microcosm of what's going on or a taste of what's going on in the real world and and I don't have to point out to you, you and I tweet back and forth different stories that have taken place at soccer mm-hmm. matches, which are clear demonstrations of anti-Semitism. Are, those, are we just becoming paranoid? Are those unique, unique instances or rare instances, or are just, is this just exactly what you're talking about, about what's going on in the real world?
5: It's exactly what we're talking about in the real world. It's the norms. You see anti-Semitic acts going on at soccer games, um, even Real Madrid, there's so many Israelis, so many Jewish people support Real Madrid. Thousands of people went to see them play in the Champions League final a couple of weeks ago from Israel, spending thousands of shekels, and you have their ultra fans uh, caught on video giving the Heil Hitler salute, mm. um, you know, on and on. It's no, uh, you know, that's just a microcosm. And then you say to yourself, how could you support a team that allows their fans to be able to do that? Right. And then that starts to, you know, you know, percolate in your mind. And uh, I hate to break it to everybody, but I've had instances of this at U.S. national team games as well. Whoa. Back in two- October seventh, two thousand and one, the day that uh, the United States decided to attack Afghanistan, uh, the United States was playing a very important game against Jamaica in Foxborough, the old Foxborough Stadium, and it was during Holomoid Circus and a bunch of us went together, and we put up, we had a portable sukkah, we made our barbecue, we were tailgating, we, had, we were davening with our talasim, our lulavs, our estrogs. people were looking at us like we were from another planet. But hence, that's part of American society. Right. After the game, I was walking out with one other person heading out to the car, and friends were trailing on after that, and a jeep load of people that I actually knew, Americans that I know that go to these games, and I traveled with them, and I'd go to Ranger games with them. Um, they knew that at that you know a couple of hours earlier, the United States had attacked Afghanistan, and they start screaming out things. It's all because of Israel. Uh. It's all because of the Jews. It's all because of you. That this is actually you know this is going on in the world that we have to wipe up your battles. And uh, it made me shudder for a minute. And I've got to tell you, I've, I I watched the American team, but from that moment on, and once I met Aliyah. There really is only one team for the Jewish people and only one team for anybody in Israel, which is the Israel National Team. And to support the Israeli Domestic League, the Maccabi Tel Aviv, Hapoel Tel Aviv, Beitar Jerusalem, and, uh, you know, put efforts and time into that league, the league that we have, It's as all of my friends in the media say, it's Haliga Shalano. It's our <gasps> league. This nice. is our league. This is what we have. It's the Jewish League in the land of Israel.
0: Wow. Well, Rabbi Josh Halickman, the sports rabbi, you can follow Rabbi Halickman at the sports rabbi, at the sports rabbi, that is his Twitter handle, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed with his tweets. (laughs) (laughs) And I thank you so much for joining me. I hope, by the way, that we'll be able to check in during the World Cup. You'll obviously give me a little bit more of a tutorial, and we can continue our discussion.
5: No problem. My pleasure. Always uh, fun to come on your show and looking forward to doing that in the future.
0: Thanks so much. We have we Take are care. quickly out of time, folks. We have run out of time before we even know it, this hour is up. You've been listening to that live here on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're gonna pull up the music in the background because this happens to be one of my favorite songs right now. I just keep listening to it on a loop. It's track four off of Amehad, Ari Goldweg's Amachad C D. The name of the song is called Rock Who. For people who do not listen past track one when they get a new CD and they just listen to the same track over and over again, folks, keep going. This is track four. Track six is also great. I happen to be a fan of this CD. Let's go through the lineup for the rest of the day. The Live Lunch is being covered in just a couple of minutes by Avrami. Nahum is out today, so we start with brunch, we end with lunch. Then at 1 p.m., The Stunt Show, hosted by Gorf. 2 p.m., Throwback Thursday, Oncoring J.M. and the A.M. from a year's past. Homeward Bound to Encore at 4.30 by the Book hosted by Nahum, that encore is at 5, and then Michael Franken's spin class. And like I made a joke be- at the beginning of the show about Eric Cantor, you better believe Michael be count- count- is going to be covering the entire Eric Cantor story at 6 p.m. Join Nahum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as the host, J.M. and A.M. live here on the stream, NahumSiegel.com, 91.1, 90.9, and 91.9 FM. And, of course, Naomi, table for two tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., It's a fish show. Totally up my alley, folks. Updated 2014 schedule is on our website. We didn't get to the fortune cookie, and I apologize, but we are out of time. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. (laughs)
4: I'm a man